a passage of scripture that I want to share with you and I want to minister to you from 1 Samuel chapter 29. 1 Samuel chapter 29. Uh, I want you to grab that, get your ink pen, a notebook, and, uh, and prepare to take a handful of notes. After I finish reading this scripture, I want you to take a handful of notes. In fact, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's start in 1 Samuel chapter chapter 30, 1 Samuel chapter 30. We won't, we won't uh, uh, take you through 29. We'll go from chapter 30, and we'll start at the very first verse. We'll start at the very first verse. I'm going to be talking to you this morning about, and from the title, when a crisis causes a crisis. When a crisis causes a crisis. You know, we are in the middle by all stretches of circumstances, a, a pandemic, and a pandemic is an epidemic that goes across countries, across the globe. With globalization being the way that it is, with the world being smaller uh, than it's ever been before, things like diseases and, and things of the sort are easier to pass from nation to nation and from country to country. And to some degree, there is a crisis happening. Uh, the Washington and governments all over this world are trying to communicate. They're doing their best to make sure that we have uh, all of the medical supplies necessary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Local governments as well as state governments are all fighting hard and trying really hard to make sure that the disease doesn't spread and doesn't get out of control as well as have all the resources that you need. So it's a crisis. But, but sometimes when a crisis happens, we have, we have additional crises that take place, panic and pandemonium, and, uh, uh, and we step outside of ourselves or we get caught up in, in trying to protect ourselves and protect our own. And, uh, and then, we, you know, it gets a little bit of out of order and things seem to be scattered and seem to be moving. And we want to bring some calm to the situation. We want you to know God is with us. God is 100% in control. God has not forgotten God has not lost his grip. God is not in heaven scratching his head asking us, how in the world am I and what in the world am I going to do uh, to fix this situation? God's got a plan, and we have to trust his plan. So I want to talk to us in a few, uh, for a few moments about when a crisis causes a crisis. And I want you to see and hear about a man in Scripture that had a crisis. Uh, and his crisis went from a bad thing to a worse thing. And it's, it's taking place in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says this. It says, now when David and his men had come to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites invaded, had invaded the south, and Ziglag attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away, and they, and they went their way. And so David and his men came to the city, and there it was. They, it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until he had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Aniam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive as well. Now David was greatly distressed, as he should have been, for the people spoke of stoning him. So he goes from one calamity to a whole nother calamity. The people spoke of stoning him, 
because of the soul, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons. They were grieved for their daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, please bring me an ephod to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he said, and he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, you shall recover all. So David went, he and his 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook of Besor, where those who stayed, those stayed who were left behind. And David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. So, Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and we thank you for your word. I God, I pray that in these next few moments you will give the kind of instruction and give the kind of teaching that would bring calm to this moment and bring calm to this storm. Father, I, I, I am in awe of how you have empowered your church to stand up and to rise up in this hour. That we're reminded now that it's not about personalities and it's not about buildings and it's not about the plushness of an environment we can create. But it's really about being the church. And in this moment, the church is in a test where she's being asked to live out her creeds and to walk in her, in her tenets and her standards and to have faith and to have action and to, uh, and to know that God is in control all the while. So God, I pray that you would allow me to teach and preach and minister under the anointing and allow us to have a spirit that allows us to hear the word of God. And it's in this, Lord, we give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Uh, I appreciate you guys one more time for being online with us and being able to hang out with us. And uh, uh, we, we are right now in the middle of, of what, they, what is being called medically COVID-19. And, med- and COVID-19 is the coronavirus. We call it the coronavirus. Um, and it has, by all uh, national standards and by all governmental standards, been declared a pandemic. When we talk about pandemic, the word pan just means country, across country. Um, It is an epidemic that is going across countries. It's not localized in a community or in a state or or even in one country, but it is going across the whole uh, world. Um, We we, we really are uncertain to some degree where it started, but what we do know is that it started. and, And now our own country, our own home cities are being affected by uh, this pandemic. It brings with it some very unique complications, as most of us uh, are aware of. Some of those complications are included but are not limited to uh, the high virility of it, the fact that many people uh, can and will be affected. It is contagious, relatively highly contagious. We realize that that is a problem. It is challenging, particularly to those men and women who are over the age of 60 years old or that have a compromised health in some form or capacity, which is one of the primary reasons why we decided that we would go online is, uh, is to honor uh, that demographic of our local church. But we also know that with any pandemic or any uh, epidemic, there are so many things that go out that you really don't know what to believe. There's so much noise that goes out that it creates anxiety and it creates panic. And to many of us, uh, it creates this sense of being insecure, this insecurity. Uh, and, and so many people, rightfully so, should 
feel some kind of way. Uh, if you're in the servicing industry, my, our city is a tourist city. There is not much travel happening in our cities right now, which means that our, our hotels and our tourist guides, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, they will be, their hours will be cut short or they, uh, the tips won't be quite the same. The restaurants won't be full. Uh, this, is, this is important to so many people on so many levels. And I understand why there is a pause and why there is a sense of, of heightened anxiety. However, there is a place with anxiety where it can go too far. And anxiety can lead to fear. And the Bible says that he has not given us a spirit of fear. And that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about anxiety so much to the degree that the Savior says to cast your cares upon me. He says, I don't want you to get so full of anxiety that, uh, that, that, that your problems sink you and make you come out of character or your problems lead you into worry. Or worse, your problems take you down this pathway to, to, to fear. Fear is an enemy of God. Fear is an enemy of faith. Fear is an enemy that will paralyze decision-making. It will paralyze your normal way of doing life, and it will shut down communities, countries, and individuals. And this is for this reason God gave us power over what he calls the spirit of fear, the spirit of fear. So today I, I want to challenge you. We, we practically understand how serious this is, but we also understand how big our God is. We understand that we're going to magnify God and we're going to look to the God that heals, the God that is in control of all things at all times. We're going to go after him and we're going to chase God more than we're going to spend too much energy and time on any particular disease that exists in our world. Because let me promise you this, we'll get past this. Just like we got past SARS, do you guys remember SARS? Ebola, remember Ebola? Just like we got past all of those things, we'll get past this one too. But in the meantime, the enemy makes you feel like it's going to last forever. The enemy makes you feel like the walls are closing in and this thing is going to last forever. So I want to give you four, um, four thoughts and four ways that you can maneuver through this crisis so that this crisis doesn't create another crisis inside of you. I don't want this crisis to create another crisis. It's difficult to fight on one hand. You don't want to be fighting on the other at all. So there are four things that I think are important for us to uh, take a look at. Uh, and, and before we jump into these four things, let's talk about our text. Let's talk about David for a second. David is an interesting position because he's the guy that's called the man after God's own heart. He's the guy that fought battles for God. He's the guy that put armies together so just for the sake of them being able to prove to God, prove to the world how amazing their God is. And David and his army was out fighting one day. And while they were fighting, an enemy came in. The Amalekites were their sworn enemies. The enemy came in. And while they were away, they came into this place called Ziglag. Ziglag was where David camped his army, took his family and his children and, and all of their, his military men's family and children. They camped there. They thought they would get some rest. They thought they would get some respite. They thought they would get some relaxation there while, the, while David and the men went and fought battles for God. While they were away fighting battles for God, what what happened was the Amalekites sent their armies in to attack them, watch this, in their place of comfort. 
in the place where they had relaxed, in the place where they thought they could get away from the world, the Amalekites came in. And they interrupted the regularly scheduled programming for David and for his people. They interrupted this entire, this entire space of comfort. And now the sporting industry looks different. And now entertainment looks different. And now the actors and uh, Broadway looks different. And now music venues look different. Schedule the regularly scheduled program was interrupted because an enemy crept in. What the enemy attacked uh, was important. The scripture says that he took, that not only did they take all of their great possessions, they took their sons and they took their wives and they took the children. They snatched not just the things that they earned, they snatched the things that mattered to them the most. And when David and his, uh, his army came back from fighting, they realized that everything that they were fighting for had been attacked. They were so busy fighting for God that all the things that God gave them as a reward of their battles was now taken away from them as a possession. And I can only imagine what that would have felt like, particularly if you are, are, are David. You're trying to lead men. You think you're going in the right direction. And, uh, and while you're doing a good thing, a bad thing occurs. The Bible says that these men grieved at their soul. They were they, they had a calamity that was happening in their lives so much to the degree that they grieved at their soul. They cried out loud with loud wails over losing their possessions and losing their loved ones and having their land burned and pillaged by an enemy. I, I can imagine them thinking, how in the world did this happen? How in the world did we not see this taking place? But nonetheless, it took place because some of the things that happen in your life that you don't want to happen you didn't give it license to take place, but, but it happens anyway. This is called life. It doesn't have to be the devil. Sometimes life happens and we get sick. Life happens and we get cancer. Life happens and we get diabetes. Life happens and people we love die. Life happens and we get into accidents. Doesn't always have to be the devil, but sometimes the enemy will take your life circumstance and he'll start taking it from one level of crisis to a whole nother level of crisis. And this is what happens to David. This was a part of their life. David was a fighting man. So he always had something he had to battle. He was always susceptible to uh, an enemy attacking him. But now that it's attacked him, he has to not only deal with this crisis, the Bible says it, that the men that were with him gave, created a crisis within a crisis for David. The men that were with him now, not only did David have to cry over losing his wife and children to this enemy, the men that were with him sought to stone him. They looked and they were saying, it's your fault that we're in this. It's your fault why we lost everything. It's your Never mind that they had the greatest victories of their life because of David. Never mind that they were walking in the safety of the grace and the favor of God because of David. Never mind that they were able to have some, uh, some small slither of social status because they were so constant victors because of David and his leading. They turned on David, pointed the finger 
at him and said, hey, David, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you, and we want to stone you. And the Bible says that David grieved even more because he was living, uh, he, had, he was in the middle of a calamity, and now he has to deal with calamity inside of a calamity. And this is, if we're not careful, this is where our society can go. We are, we are in the middle of a pandemic. This is no situation that none of us are, are uh, privy to, or not privy to unless you've been under a rock. However, we don't have to create pandemonium in the middle of our pandemonium. We don't have to create panic and chaos in the middle of chaos. We don't, we don't have to add to it. So, um, so David is now in an in a interesting space and David did a few things that I think it's important for us to do at, at right now in this time. David was a tremendous leader, and he showed us how to lead. And one thing that God put on my heart for the City of Hope and for the people that are watching is we are going to get out in front of this, and we're going to lead and show the city of San Diego and the world how God wants to handle this situation and how God wants the people of God to handle this situation. I want you to get your ink pens together and write this down. Here's number one. I want you to write this down. Uh, David prayed. And I want you to write down that to pray deeply. When you're, whenever a calamity hits, whenever you're in a time that is intense, uh, when the difficulty is raised, when the temperature of your difficulty is raised, when the difficulty uh, is, is, uh, or the trouble is, is too much for you to bear and you're in a crisis, it's important for you to intensify your prayer life. Pray deeply. And by praying, I'm, I'm not just talking about praying that God would get us over a situation. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about that next level prayer. Not just the prayer that says, God, get, deliver us through this or heal us through this. And we do have to pray that prayer. And God does have promises that he said in Deuteronomy 7 that he would take all disease away and harm away from the land of his children that obey him. And we do believe those promises. But, but I want you to look at at a deeper space in relationship with God. Because to pray deeply doesn't mean to just pray, but it means to begin to inquire of God, God, what are you doing in this crisis? What are you trying to speak to us in this crisis? What are you saying to my heart while I'm going through this crisis? See, this is a whole nother level. This is a level that stops focusing on the pandemic and starts focusing on God. Because while God doesn't always bring trouble to your life, he will use trouble in your life to raise you up. He'll use troubles in your life to draw you closer to him. So, so when we pray deeply, David got on his knees and began to pray. When the Bible says he went to Abathar and asked him for the ephod, the ephod was simply a holy vest that the priests put on when they were ready to pray. So when David got off his knees from crying and he strengthened himself in the Lord, the Bible says he looked and he says, hey man, where is my prayer shawl? That's what he asked for. He says, hey, where is my prayer closet? He says, hey, I got to turn off the TV and cut off the internet and turn off all this negative news because I'm getting information from everybody but God. He says, I want to know what it is that God thinks. And by, and by what it is that God thinks, it's not just saying, God, deliver it and, and set us free and protect us. Because there are going to be a lot of people praying that, that offensive prayer. But what about the prayer that says, God, what are you teaching me? 
God, who do you want me to become after this? How do you want to transform the church after this? What will church look like? What will the church look like in, in six weeks, in eight weeks, if we have to do internet service for months at a time? Will you still be committed to God? Or were you committed to going to church? Will you still be committed to service in your community, to giving to the things that God honors? Or, or was this all just an exercise of, of, of making us feel like we were a part of community? So God is doing something in this. Watch what he says in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, watch this, and pray and seek my face. He says, pray and seek. He said, don't just come to me and, and start telling me what you want me to do. He says, but start to seek my face. God, what are you saying? What do you want from us? What are you pressing us up? And he says, and when I speak, I want you to turn from your wicked ways. And then he says, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive sin and I'll heal their land. But this is about to, to pray deeply in this season of our lives is to ask God, God, what are you calling from this country? What are you calling from this world? What are you asking us to return to? And I've got a feeling that he's at the center of all of this. i got a feeling that God is saying, I want the world to return to me. I want my church to return to me. I want my pastors and my leaders and my preachers to return back to me. I want my entertainers to return back to me. I want my athletes to return back to me. Isn't it interesting that, isn't it interesting that, 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 it sometimes takes calamity for us to get spiritual. Isn't it interesting that sometimes all it, it takes a little bit of drama in your life and all of a sudden your prayer life go to a whole nother space? This is what God is saying to be wise in our prayer time now. So one of the responses to crisis, to keep from having a crisis within a crisis, is for us to ask God, God, I want to be deeply entrenched in your presence, and will you guide me, and will you speak to me, and will you tell me how you want my life to transform? How do we transform our church? How do we transform our community? Who am I supposed to be on the other side of this pandemic? The second thing I want you to write down. The second thing that is important for you to do is to guard your heart. Guard your heart. What David did that, that was critical and important, the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. In other words, he stopped letting all that negative stuff get in his spirit. He stopped letting all of the, we're going to stone him and you're a horrible leader and I can't believe that you would do this and you clearly don't love your family and all of this kind of crazy stuff that starts to get flown in the atmosphere when people panic. Instead of calming the situation down, the, the level went up. And what David ended up doing was something that we have to do. He guarded his heart. He says, I can't let that stuff get in. Because if it gets in my heart, then I'll start responding the way the world is responding. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. And we don't want to respond by fear. Uh, um, crisis, for many people, is an excuse to act out of character. When crisis comes, that's when we feel like I get to cuss people out. You know, when crisis happens, that's when I get to not be kind to my spouse. When crisis happens, I get to be selfish. And it's easy to blame crisis on why we're afraid and why we're acting afraid. But you can't give in to it. God is challenging us and he's saying, guard your heart. He's saying, he's saying that, that, that while I, what, what God is really trying to do is he's trying to build a testimony out of your life. And what if God is testing your testimony through this crisis? 
What if God is, you know that testimony you've been given about how God's been keeping you and how you're not the same today like you was back then? You know that testimony. You've been telling God how healed you are. God sometimes let epidemics and let pandemics and let crisis hit our families and hit our lives so that we can find out the strength of our testimony. Are we just telling the story or do we really believe that God's a deliverer? Are we just telling people that? Is this just something we say to get people to come to church? Or do we really believe that God can sustain us in the middle of our storms? Right? So God says this. Watch this. God doesn't promise that he's going to put, he doesn't always say I'm going to pull you out of the storm. But this is what Jesus told his disciples when, when he was uh, preparing to leave and he was giving them some final instructions. He didn't say that I'm going to pull you out of this, the calamity of the world. But what he said was in John 14, he said, peace I'm going to leave with you. He said, my peace I give to you, not the way the world gives it. Now that's important. He says, I don't want you looking to the world for your peace. He says, because the world is going to do things to try to give you a false sense of peace. They're going to lie to you on media. They're going to make, they're going to make jokes about what they should be serious about. And they're going to be serious about things that you should be bypassing. They're going to let distractions make you start looking all in every place but except at the place where you should go. He says, he says that my peace isn't like the way that the world gives it. He said, so don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled during this season. And don't be afraid of the what ifs. What if I get it? What if, what if I come in contact with somebody that get it? I can't look at anybody. I can't shake a hand. I can't sit within 10 feet of somebody. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. And, and, and if you're not careful, we will be paralyzed by fear. And, and we'll be paralyzed by something that God says he didn't give us. And as, the, and as the anxiety of fear starts to build up inside of us, we make panicky decisions. We make panicky moves. We make panicky remarks. We make panicky responses. Been kind and gentle and helping. Now they got to do it themselves. You would be otherwise kind and nice. Now, uh, uh, Miss Johnson, who is seventy years old, she got across the street on her own. I don't want to get that. It moves into a panic space. And God gave us, when God, see, when God saw calamity coming to the earth in the book of John before he, he rose up before, when God said that calamity was going to come and stuff was going to happen in the earth, watch what he gave them. He gave them peace, not panic. God has given you peace and not panic. And if you can guard your heart and let the peace of God reside in it and let the word of God get inside of it, you'll remember things like God saying that I am your bulwark and I am your shield. He, you'll remember, thing God, remember God saying that I am your strength and I am your buckler. You'll remember the, the things where God is saying that I will protect you from all hurt, harm, and disease and nothing no wise shall come upon you and overtake you. See, when you put that kind of stuff in your heart, you can go about your day knowing that God has got you. Watch this. And even, and even if you get it, God's got you. Amen. Even if you look up and something has happened and you are the one that's got, got the, uh, the virus, even if you get it, God didn't let you down. All he's saying is that even though you got it, I got you. 
Now, that's something to be grateful for. So, so walk in your peace and don't let fear, don't let anxiety in, don't let anger in, don't let panic in. Just give God the space to be God in your life. The third thing I want you to put down in your notes is uh, it's important to care for others. During this time, it's important for us to care for others. One thing that David did, David calmed everybody down and helped them. Uh, he inquired of the Lord in prayer. God told them that they can go and pursue and overtake and get their stuff back. And David went to his men. He calmed them down. And he says, listen, we're going to do this together. He got them in a space where they, they went from wanting to stone him to wanting to follow him again. Because he showed compassion and he showed caring. And that's what real ministry is about. At the end of the day, uh, what God is looking for, no matter what crisis comes in our world, no matter what crisis shows up in our world, God is looking for men and women that will trust him and that will not stop operating in the principles of the word of God. Uh, I'll leave you with this. I want you to, to, uh, to, to note this. In Chinese, the written word for crisis in Chinese is drawn of two, two characters. And those characters are the character of danger and the character of opportunity. And what he's saying, what they're saying is that wherever there is crisis, even though it might be danger, opportunity is also present. And this is an opportunity for you to show the world how, how good God is. This is an opportunity for you to show the world that God uses you in the middle of calamity, that you are, in fact, a beacon of light, that you are a house that is on top of the hill, not hidden, but that the world might see your, your joy in your life. Watch what the scripture says. Look at what uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Paul says that you are an epistle written on our hearts. An epistle is a letter. He's saying that you are a letter that is being written, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are a letter of Christ being ministered by us, written out not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stones, but on the flesh that is in our hearts. What is God saying? What is Paul saying? Paul is trying to help us understand that while, while we're going through this, we are the world is looking at the body of Christ. While we're dealing with this, the world is looking at the body of Christ. And it's interesting because while uh, we make decisions to do our internet service, we get highly criticized for doing internet service. And everybody's saying, oh, you're not walking in faith. And, and, and where is your faith? And the blood of Jesus is supposed to cover you and all this kind of stuff. And, and then if somebody does decide to have service and bring the congregants in. They'll say, oh, you're being careless, and, and it's clear you don't care about everybody, and it's clear that, so, so what ends up having to happen is we end up having to make choices and decisions that honor the will and the purpose of God in the earth, and we take these, these calamities as an opportunity to broaden out the dialogue and the conversation about what God is capable of doing in this world. We take this opportunity to show, to show the world that we can agree to disagree and not be disagreeable. 
We take this time to show the world that while we are in the middle of a pandemic, a highly contagious pandemic, that I'm going to be mindful and I'm going to take the, and I know this may not seem over spiritual, but it is godly for me to follow the instructions of the CDC and sneeze in my arm or throw away my tissue. Or if I'm sick, be honest with people that are around me and say, hey, I might be contagious. Like doing an honorable thing. I know that seems like a small thing, but we just need more honest people in the body of Christ these days. We just need more people that are willing to honor the body of Christ, uh, to honor the will of God these days. But this is also an opportunity for you to meet your neighbors next door, for you to help your elderly neighbor who might live above you or next door to you or underneath you on a different floor. Hey, ma'am, do you mind? Do you? I understand that your demographic might be a little at risk. Is, I'm going to be running up to the grocery store. Can I pick up a couple of items for you? Do you hear what I'm saying? We get so spiritual when it comes to what does it look like to do something for God that we're always thinking that, oh, wow, I got to go get my oil and anoint everybody's door on my neighborhood, in my neighborhood. And that might not necessarily be what God is telling you to do. There are very practical ways that we can care for others during this time. And, and, and as we are supporting others through this crisis, the crisis becomes an opportunity for God to to be seen clearly in this world. I heard one writer, one uh, of my favorite preachers used to say it all the time, that you would never know that God was a healer if there was not a sickness. That you would never know, have known that God was a deliverer if there wasn't a space you needed to be delivered from. And this is the way that God's revelation comes out. It's through moments like these we're able to show the world that God is with us, that he cares about us, that he is alive and he is beckoning us to be one with him again and to not shy away and turn away. And the basic principles of loving our neighbors as we love ourselves still apply. Find somebody and love on them. And here's the final thing that I want you to, to see that took place. Uh, when David realized that this was an attack from the enemy, the scripture says that he began to, to pray to God and he began to worship God or began to praise God. And in this calamitous season, it's important for you to be a praiser. Not a complainer, be a praiser. I want you guys to take this, I want you to, t to take notice of this. Did you know that while we have been so focused on the coronavirus, while we've been so focused on this, did you know that a second person was cured from HIV in the UK? Did you know that while we were, uh, while we've been talking so much about uh, corona, have you noticed that your gas and oil prices have gone down considerably? Did you, did you know that there was going to be a phenomenon in the skies, an asteroid was going to pass by the earth that's going to be visible to the naked eye? Did you know that we were going to see a once-in-a-lifetime natural phenomenon, twice-in-a-lifetime at max natural phenomenon? And, and we, we're going to miss these moments because we're so focused on the calamity. But what other moments are you missing? What other moments are being, what other moments in your life is this calamity robbing you the joy of? Your child's first step? Your best friend's marriage? Your relationship with your, with your friends? Your ability to show how great and how wonderful God is in your life? What opportunities are being missed in your life because we're so focused on the, the problems that take place? Whether it's this virus or it's bills or it's heartache or it's personal depression, whatever it is, we can be so focused on these negative things that we forget that God is still working. 
God is working beyond this situation. Even though you're in the middle of an epidemic, there is a God that's blessing you, that's sustaining you, that's keeping you. Watch this. And you can't ignore that. It, in fact, deserves the exact opposite of ignoring, and it deserves your high magnification of it. So David says, will you magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name together? He says, in the middle of all our drama and hurt and frustration, will you praise God with me? Will you bless God with me? Will you honor God with me? Watch this. There's another guy in Scripture, two guys, as a matter of fact, in Scripture that was in a kind of a, a, a sticky situation. In fact, they were in the middle of a prison at the time. And, and at the, when I say the middle of a prison, uh, uh, the Roman prisons were a big circle or a big square that had different levels to it, and they they were in the middle of the prison. And in Acts 16, the Bible says at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They was giving God the praise. Watch this, in the middle of the prison. They were giving God praise while they were in prison. And the prisoners who were listening to them, and suddenly the scripture says there was a great earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. They were in the middle of a crisis and they refused to let a secondary crisis break out in the middle of their crisis. So they said, I'm going to put an end to the perpetual downhill snowball effect of my depression, of my anger, of my discontentment of being here, of my frustration, of my limitations. I'm going to put an end to it and I'm going to, in fact, go on the offensive instead of the defensive by giving God a praise and while they started praising the Bible says that those people that were watching started to praise with them and the praise became as infectious watch this as the disease that's moving in our world your praise can become as infectious as the disease operating in our world and it doesn't matter here's what you got to get it doesn't matter that you get it it matters who's got you. As long as God has got you, you can get it. But if I give praise to God in the middle of my hurt, in the middle of my brokenness, in the middle of this pandemic, I start to magnify God. And as God gets magnified, then all of the people that were watching you start to see the testimony of God. And as they get the testimony of God, they start to experience the freedom that you're experiencing. While they were in the middle of a jail, they, their cells started to unlock. Do you see how that operates? Do you see how that works? While they were in the middle of their cells, they started to get free even though they were still locked into the big cell. You can be free in the middle of this pandemic. You can be free from panic, free from fear, free from anguish, free from hurt, free from all of the stuff that starts to rise up in, in the middle of this pandemic. God is with us, and God doesn't want us to forget this. And I want you to, to take those four tips that I just gave you. Pray deeply, guard your heart, care for others, and be a praiser. I want you to take those literally over the coming days and the coming weeks. Because I'm going to promise you this. The news that you hear is not going to get better until it gets worse. I've been in meetings. I've been in part of conversations, high-level meetings and conversations. And they're not anticipating that it gets better this weekend. There's an anticipation that it'll get worse this weekend. Now, that's no reason for you to panic or fear because there, there, there is a sense of control to this. In fact, one 
uh, person said, what we're trying to do is put pressure on the zit to go ahead and make it burst. So it's not out of control. There is a, a strategy to why they have asked us to pull back on the churches and why they've closed the schools and why uh, some of our public places have been limited to their opening hours. There's a strategy behind it. And if there's a strategy that's operating, just because you don't know the strategy, don't let what you see start to inform how you feel. Get the information. Understand what's going on before you go into a panic. See, that's the way God works. God has a strategy for everything happening in your life. And you can be looking at your life and, and you, can, you can let what you see inform your emotions and your feelings and not know that there's a strategy. You can you can you cannot know that this is all working somewhere and you're in panic because you wouldn't have thought of it to be this way. So there's no reason to panic. The Bible said that the heart of the king is in God's hands and he turns it whichever way he so desires. And God is turning it and they're making choices and they're making decisions. And yeah, it's a little uncomfortable for us, but nonetheless, it's going somewhere. So don't you move in the panic, you move in the praise. Don't walk in panic, you walk in peace. Don't walk in panic. Walk in the prosperity of the Lord for our lives and for your life in this. I've got the unmitigated gall to believe that the things that I planted can still grow even in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, it can. Yes, it should. And yes, it will. But you can't give up on the principles of the word of the Lord. I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. And after we pray, we'll talk about our giving because we want you to sow and continue to give. But I want your hearts to be at peace. That we've been through some difficult days. If you are old enough to remember when HIV and AIDS kind of hit the stage, man, it was a scary time. There were so many myths and, and untruths and misinformation out there. We thought you couldn't touch a person that had AIDS. I mean, literally, we thought that if you touch someone with HIV, you get it. We thought that if you use the same phone, at the time there were public phones, they thought that if you use the same public phone that you would get it. There was so much misinformation out there, yet we got through that season. I remember when the SARS virus came to the United States. You guys, some of y'all forgot SARS even was a thing. When SARS hit the United States, we were scared to death. Everybody's afraid, but we got through SARS. Then Ebola. How in the world can Ebola hit a first world country? Well, it did but we got through it and we got through a financial crisis in 2008, 2009 and we got through a stock market crash some of you guys forgot about the stock market crash of 2000, we got through that remember all of those things, the world was falling, the sun was coming and Jesus was going to crack the skies but we made it we made it and we're going to make it through this and you're going to make it so Father God in heaven the God of our provision the God of our protection I thank you for every man and woman that's watching. I give you a praise. I give you great glory and great honor. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our mayor. We pray for our governor. We pray for our president. We pray for our appointed and elected officials that you would move them in a direction that brings a speedy end to this deal here in our city and in our country. Father, not only do we pray for the cure, but we also pray for the vaccine so that it can be prevented from ever building itself up again in our country. 
But God, even if the storm and the earth and the wind start to blow, you are the God that calms the seas and can speak to the winds. You are the God that can cover us and protect us from hurt, harm, and danger and disease. You are the God that can heal us if it so, so touch us. So we focus on you. How do you want to use us in this moment? Where do you want us to go? How do you want us to minister? What does it need to look like that you might get glory? How do we still serve this community and be a blessing to our, our city and, and at the same time give you what you need and get what it is spiritually that we need? Father, in the name of Jesus, let us fall into the peace of a God that can calm the seas. I thank you, God, for this. I thank you, God, for those leaders that will stand up and say this message. This is not a turnaround, touch your neighbor five times kind of message. This is a the word of God works type of message. Let the word of God work for your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for you and for your family. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I don't want you to, to turn off just yet because we still have a financial responsibility to the things of God, to the house of the Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity to sow and I want to give you an opportunity to give right now. Near your screen should be a giving mechanism. If it's not on the screen that you're on, it just depends on how you ended up logging on. If you're on Facebook Live or if you're on IG, right now there is no button for you. But if you're on the website, there is a button. If you're on one of those other mediums, I'm going to ask you to go to www.thecityonline.org. Uh, Let me say that again. www.thecityonline.org. And I want you to press the give button. I want you to consider sowing a seed into the kingdom of God. We're tithers and we're givers. And we do this whether we're in the house or whether we're